Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Brandy Hall, Founder and Managing Director of Shades of Green Permaculture. How's it going today Brandy? It's going great Jared. Thanks. How are you? I am great. Glad to have you here and excited to learn more about Shades of Green. Uh, kind of just in our traditional format. Would love it if you just gave us kind of the 15 seconds dish elevator pitch, uh, you know, on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Brandy and I am the founding and managing director, founder and managing director of Shades of Green Permaculture. We are a regenerative landscape design, build and education company based in Atlanta, Georgia. So we work across scales to uh, restore water cycles and build plant communities that are resilient and feed and nourish humans and wildlife. Um, and we work to capture carbon in the soil and build the soil up so that it can produce healthy plants and healthy ecosystems. And we do that in a lot of different ways. So only literally out changing the world. <laughs> One tree at a time. Yep. <laughs> 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 Very cool. Well, as always, there's, uh, you know, a bit of a story that leads up to how you made it into this space. So maybe you could just kind of share with us just the genesis. What were you doing before you decided to jump into this field and how did you get into it? So I, um, my parents are both entrepreneurs. My dad is a builder in Western North Carolina, a general contractor. And my mom and my stepdad owned an ornamental plant nursery and a seed farm when I was a young one in South Florida. Um, so I kind of grew up in, in both of those worlds and they're very juxtaposed. The agriculture lands of South Florida are at this point like very toxic with you know chemical runoff and pesticide pollution and all these you know canals have been built all through South Florida to drain the land so that it can actually be habitable by humans and you know juxtaposed with like the pristine wilderness of western North Carolina obviously it has its challenges as well but really beautiful rich, biodiverse temperate rainforest, basically. And just, you know, growing up in both of those worlds, um, I saw my mom and my stepdad in the industry that they were in when I was a young, I think I was in, you know, elementary, middle school. Um, they both went through varying degrees of chemical poisoning from exposure to pesticides um, and herbicides on the farm to the point where, you know, my stepdad was out. He had rheumatoid arthritis like symptoms. His joints would swell where he couldn't walk. He was 
was in a wheelchair for a year. His nose was bleeding constantly from just overexposure. And uh, my mom took over the business and she had very severe anaphylactic responses to just, you know, smelling a neighbor spray a field um, to the point that one time on the way to the hospital, they picked me up from school. I must have been in elementary school. My mom was convulsing so hard that she shook the panel of the door off of the car and was rushed to the emergency room after just making a delivery at a local nursery that had just sprayed. So it was a big eye-opening moment, I think, for me as a young person and also for my parents where they you know, we moved to North Florida after that and they went through a very like long detox process to, to try to stabilize their health a little bit. And so I think growing up in that, you know, kind of both of these worlds and seeing directly and firsthand the the impacts on people's health, you know, and the environmental health that we lived in from conventional management practices like spraying herbicides and pesticides just really set me on a journey as a young person for sure. And then I came to landscaping and running a business pretty circuitously from there. I studied farming and timber management and lived on farms in Central America and studied in Virginia, you know, teaching a farm school and of all of these things. Got a general contractor's license with my dad and was building and studied as a stonemason for a year. Kind of did a whole bunch of things. And then after taking a permaculture course, I realized that I could be a builder and a teacher and a farmer or gardener, you know, work with plants um, under this kind of like whole systems design methodology. So that's what I started doing. (laughs) Well, let's, uh, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about, I suppose, what I I assume you meant by the teacher aspect of this, uh, just so we can kind of get a, a perspective on how your business operates online. Yeah. So we, um, so permaculture design has a kind of an internationally recognized um, certification process that people go through. It's called a permaculture design certification. I mean, I used to teach those in person and was part of the educator piece. And then our client process is also very education rich in our design build part of the business. But I used to teach PDCs, that's the acronym for permaculture design certification in person. And we would cap it at about 20 students. And I would take, you know, spread it out over six months. So it was one weekend a month for six months, just like very intensive process. And then I also went through that process when I took a PDC. And the result of it was sort of like almost like analysis paralysis. Like you have so much thrown at you around whole systems management. And then you leave a student as a student of a PDC, like, okay, but how do I actually do this? You know, so the first few years of my career was really figuring out like, what does permaculture even look like if it's in a residential or a city context, if it's not a farm, you know, and how to, what are the strategies and the tools that actually make sense in the Southeast? And I really started to hone in on that a little bit. And then simultaneously, you know, I was teaching this course in person. We get, you know, NASA published a study, I am probably four years ago now saying that essentially we have 10 years to right the ship in terms of climate change, you know, so it feels like this eminent thing that we need to do around like climate action um, and very pressing and important. And then, you know, simultaneously with that, I had my daughter. So she's now six. She had her first day of kindergarten today. Um, oh. 
Yeah. So, you know, all of those things are kind of happening at once. And I realized that I wanted to be able to have more of a reach and more of an impact and empower people with the tools to do climate action landscaping in their own yard um, and not have to go through the process of trying to figure out, okay, but what do I do and how do I do it? And, you know, all of the questions that you ask when you're trying to get into this field. So um, that was really the impetus to start an online course because our geographical reach could be much greater. The amount of people that we could reach could be much greater. And then from, you know, as a parent, having something running in the background of the business that's teaching the skills that I feel are, you know, essential for our times without me having to commit, you know, one full weekend a month of my life is huge. So that's really what propelled the course into the online space. So it sounds like it was almost as though you wanted to ensure that this form of education reaches a broader, a larger audience was the primary driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, being based in Atlanta, doing an in-person physical course, you know, we're limited by the number of people that we can have at a time um, based on where we host the class. And then also the people that actually come for the course are a very specific region in that, you know, in that way. So yeah, moving it online allows us to work with people. We have students now that are in Canada and like all the way on the West Coast and Idaho and the Northeast and Maine and Hawaii and France and Portugal and, you know, just so much it's so much richer in that way. Yeah. So as I'm sure you are very, very keenly aware, getting started online is not an easy process. Uh, tell us <laughs> tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and the hurdles you had to overcome to get this up and running. Yeah. Um, I think a big one for me was just figuring out how to have an authentic voice in the online sphere when it comes to sales. Like there's so many sales gimmicks, you know, for like of a better word and so many strategies and it's really it's noisy it, the the realm is really noisy in that way um, you're competing for people's like split second of attention where I feel like that's not really something that I experienced as the owner of a brick and mortar you know service based company in a specific place you know our the marketing piece and the like development of shades of green in the physical world really came through building relationships and network and let you know people being able to physically see the outcome of our work and share that physically you know like they drive by a school and they say oh this landscape's really incredible what's this all about you know there's i think that there's a lot of potential when you're in person you know when you're in a physical world <laughs> that allowed the sale part of the company to kind of emerge really easily that i didn't experience as quickly online i think a big part of my learning curve online was how do you sell in a world where everybody is resistant to constantly being sold to, you know, and how to have that voice kind of emerge more authentically. Yeah. And I imagine that that is something that that everyone is going through, whether they've started an online business or they've considered starting an online business, like that, just overcoming the the mere quantity of things bombarding you everywhere you go online is, you know, overwhelming just even as an end user. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how you navigated that journey um, on through to 
like kind of building your first audience, I guess. Yeah. So I I started when... So in 2019, we did a strategic plan as a company and decided that we wanted to move into the online sphere to free up time to grow other pieces of the company without having to commit a weekend a month for six months every year. Um, so we did a strategic plan. The timing was impeccable, really, because then 2020 happened and everything moved online. But we had already sort of like started the you know, the direction there. So that was um, validating. (laughs) Okay, we're going in the right direction. That's good. Um, But also, I think it made it more challenging too, because then everybody pivoted to online models at the same time. So we entered a market that was like rapidly flooding in terms of online course, you know, and education and just online everything. But the way I started it is I sought out resources. So I have a few friends who and colleagues, peers that have done online courses. So I reached out to them and asked if they had any like specific education resources sources around it that they would recommend. Um, I found Amy Porterfield who runs Digital Course Academy. I know there are a bunch of options out there, but that one seemed to really work for me. So I, I signed up for that and did my first launch just kind of like following her model around lead a webinar and build, you know, do regular content marketing in the background. So you're delivering, you know, kind of free content to people. So when it comes time to sell to your list, you're not only asking for money all the time, I guess. And so so I followed that model and we did our first launch in December of 2020. And it was awesome because the way she teaches it is you identify, you know, you outline it, you do all of the like sales page and you pre-sell it essentially. And you build out the webinar and then you have this webinar and then I pre-sold the class. And then I had this moment of like, all oh, right, now I have to like actually build it. So I built it one module at a time. Our, cl- our course is seven modules long. Um, so I built it one module at a time. I released them, you know, once a week for uh, I think December to March, and then there were some like spacer weeks in there. But you know, it meant that the next three months I was working seven days a week because I have a full time job outside of doing online education, and then was spending the weekends doing the course development um, and just kind of get my sea legs in the online world. Um, and it was really successful. At that point, we had a pretty decent email list from our work. You know, we had already been in operation for you know eleven years, twelve years, or something. Something. So I had a pretty decent audience within Atlanta. And then I had put up when I knew we weren't doing the in-person course anymore, I put up a landing page that was like, Hey, we're building something cool. Sign up if you want to learn or if you want to hear about it when it's ready. And a bunch of people signed up for that. So I had sort of like a pre-vetted list that was going for you know a year before I ever actually launched. Um, so that was... Yeah. I think that that was a real boon <laughs> to the first launch. <laughs> yeah. And then the second launch, I think was really just trying to figure out how to reach more cold audiences because I had at that point pitched to the people that were kind of like the the folks in the background, like, yeah, I want to learn. And then trying to figure out, I think the biggest learning curve has been figuring out how to reach people that have no idea who we are because they're not in Atlanta, um, you know, or they're not part of our greater network and then get them, you know, seeing that this is something that can work for them, even if they're in Alaska or even if they have no water and they're in California, like all of these things that we teach trying to figure out how to share that message with people in various different contexts um, has been a big a big part of this the second phase I think yeah well I definitely want to I want to learn a little bit more about that but also uh, just just wanted to point out too this is uh, you gave 
gave some really useful, actionable advice while describing that challenge. And that's that it took about a year for you. You know, you mm-hmm. had that list building over time. So for any of our listeners, that's something that you can do today. You know, if you want to get into the space seriously, mm-hmm. start now, start collecting those e- email addresses very, very early on because you're going to need that down the road. Come back and see us a year from now. I can't wait to hear the story that you, the listener, will tell us hopefully here on the podcast. Yes. Um, but let's get back to I, I'm interested in any learnings uh, as you kind of moved outside of the Atlanta market. How did you begin to reach that new audience? Yeah, you know, it was I it was a lot of trial and error, I think, you know, the next launch. So the first launch was December 2020. The next one I did was March of 2021. And at that point, I hired like a marketing consultant to help with it who had some background in like online ads and you know trying to find ways to basically reinvest some of the money we made with our first launch and start to test our messaging for lack of a better way of put it um, for broader audiences and then you know the other thing that I think was a really big learning curve is you hear all of these numbers that people throw out like I made you know three million dollars in ten days <laughs> you know or whatever <laughs> um, and so it that was so cloudy I think for me like understanding what was an actually like realistic target or what was a realistic goal you know and we set I think that I set a $50,000 goal for the first launch and we came in at like 40,000 so it was close and then I was like all right so if we start you know driving traffic to the webinar and paying for ads to drive traffic to the webinar and then do another launch uh, you know just like a live launch so 10 days cart open kind of thing you know and we're actually like not just depending on our list but we're reaching more people through these ads what would that look like and then I set for the second one the second uh, launch in March 2021 I set a goal of sixty thousand dollars I think I was like okay theoretically we should be able to do more than what we did the first time and it wasn't true and it felt like a failure I think we did like a twenty thousand dollar launch or a twenty five thousand dollar launch that time and then on top of that we had ad costs and consulting fees and things like that and I you know I was pretty discouraged after that I was like oh Hmm. Okay, maybe this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. I think that there's this picture that's painted a lot of times in this sphere around online courses that like you just do it once and then you do it and then you just perfect it and then it's running on autopilot and doesn't take any work from you. And that's just like, <laughs> I was calling BS. That's not true. <laughs> it takes a lot of work, you know? Um, and it's a lot of trial and error and it's a lot of missed goals. And so then we, you know, kind of like got back up, felt a little knocked down after that second launch and got back up and then started started working with a different ad consultant that felt like maybe a better fit and did a really great third launch in fall of 2021. Um, really like pivoted our messaging a little bit, changed the webinar to have a little bit more of a sales. You know, this was part of my learning curve of going into the into the whole world of online marketing was, I, you know, it's like I'm asking somebody to sign up for a course that at the time was priced as $800 after not knowing me at all, you know, from this one webinar that they've signed up for. And I think my inclination at that point was to just over deliver, just like give a lot of information in the webinar to make it feel like this is going to be worth it. You're going to love this. But I think what it was actually undermining that a little bit because they were like, wow, I have so much to digest just from this free thing. Let me like think about this a little bit and then I'll register for the course later, you know? So that was one of the points that a consultant brought up and I redid the webinar to be less, you know, less information and sales went up and that was great. And then we decided to test out moving it to 
Evergreen, which was the vision from the beginning. So Evergreen, so it's always open registration instead of live launch, you know, 10-day cart. Um, and so we started that process in January of this year, moving it to Evergreen. And we have been just optimizing the whole funnel from the very, you know, from January on. And it's been also kind of like a long and arduous process with a lot of tweaks, like things I would never think about, like where's a friction on our landing page for our webinar registration and who's our demographic and realizing that like with our demographic that is drawn to our work and the way our landing page registration button was like, they were having a hard time choosing the right time zone, you know? And so solving for things that are just like simple like that. And then, okay, let's switch to this different software. There's a different registration button. And then seeing like the landing page conversion spike from 15% to 30%, you know, or 15 to 28% or something like, Oh, okay. Like one little thing made a huge difference at the top of the funnel. And then like moving through, we've been going through that process. Actually, this is the month where we're like, finally have all the steps in the sales funnel optimized enough to actually turn it on to like a rolling evergreen that scaled that can scale. So yeah, but at every step of the process, it was kind of like taking a fine tooth comb and investigating like where, how can we optimize this conversion rate? How can we optimize this number? How can we make sure that more people are showing up to the webinar when they register? You know, what is, how can we like make the webinar even shorter so that more people watch until we get to the pitch, you know? And then finally, the last step in that we got the whole funnel optimized and then realized that maybe our price point was off for the people that we were reaching. And so we tried playing with our price a little bit and have seen our sales rate go from like 1% to 6% in a, you know, the first week. So it's just the, I think it's just the tenacity of being willing to like try all of those itty bitty, you know, micro steps along the way has been a huge uh, like learning curve for me. <laughs> um, really wonderful. Like now I feel like, okay, I understand how the process is if we were to do it again. And I have way more realistic sense of how much freaking work it is. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that the, the lesson learned through this process really is actually trial and error and testing and iterating? Or were there things that you now maybe would say you found the solution through trial and error and you would never try uh, anything that you did in the past again? Yeah, I think that there are pieces that are 100% iterative. And I think that's just part of it for sure. And it's not going to, you know, the fact that you they're iterative isn't going to change. Like I think, you know, in the next launch that we do or the next course that we develop, I imagine there's going to be a large part that's just trying to hone in on our messaging, our ideal audience, you know, the what is happening in the webinar, you know, all of those things, the sales page information that we're going to have to kind of test the waters the next time. But then there are some things like our suite of platforms that we use is now we know like, okay, this this webinar platform converts better than this one and convert and has more functionality than this other one. So, you know, I probably wouldn't go through the trial of three different webinar platforms again. <laughs> you know, I'll probably use the one that I know functions, you know, same thing with our email marketing and um, kind of piece of it. So yes and no. Okay. So it sounds like the tools matter. The tools matter for sure. Well, I have to self actually ask, uh, did you start uh, start this process out in Kajabi? Did you work your way here through other systems or tools? I started it out on Kajabi. There was one moment where I tried a different platform and immediately was like, oh, I can't even like right out the bat, like I can't do 
like one thing I'm trying to do. So I just canceled. It was a free trial. And then I followed Kajabi. I started with Kajabi and followed Amy Porterfield, like tech library that she has in Digital Course Academy. That was a huge selling point for me. Not knowing, like knowing that there are a lot of different platforms available was that she laid it out exactly like, okay, you're going to have to set up this webinar with this zap to do this thing, you know, and probably would have taken me a lot longer to figure that out. So that was why I went with Kajabi. That was the kind of a big selling point. And then it's just been like immensely functional, like, you know, super supportive help desk, for instance, and chat options and support, which has been huge. I really love that we can do all of like the front end stuff and integrate it really easily with our email marketing part of it. Email marketing in the past has been a really huge headache within Shades of Green. And we've had a bunch of different platforms and no easy way to segment things or things like that. So I like that it's all housed and one place because the primary goal of our email marketing at all is like with our online audience and for digital products. So it makes sense to have those. For me, it makes a lot of sense to have those housed together. And then of course, like the integration between like you have your contacts that are, you, you know, and you can see their, their sales journey or their client life cycle within their contact profile. And then, you know, that also integrates with all of the products that they have access to and when, and the, you know, you can see all of the like different messaging that they've received and you know what resonates and doesn't resonate. I think that was all really huge in just like not switching for Kajabi. It was one of those tools that we picked pretty quickly. And um, I've been really excited about that ever since. I got a fun bonus question that I've never asked on a podcast before. Um, even though I've had several people come on and mention that they went through Amy's course. Yeah. Uh, what would you, if anything, what would you rewrite or change about some of the methodologies that she teaches in her program? Hmm, that's a really great question. Well, I know that she's been doing it for a lot longer than I have and it works for her. So I don't know that I would change anything about how she teaches, but definitely one thing that worked. I think one thing for me is just that it's not as like, it's not as simple as it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it is and it isn't for sure. I think one of the things that I changed pretty quickly was my sales voice. You know, like I, we have very different audiences for sure. Amy Porterfield versus Shades of Green. But I found really quickly, like I followed like the, basically the script. My, my first iteration of any of it was like, I'm just going to do exactly what she says. And I'm not going to riff on it at all because I want it like, this is proven. Like she's done it. She's helped a lot of people. They've done it. Cool. I'm going to do it. And I did, but I found myself really struggling with like the authentic sales voice for me. Like, you know, her like method felt more salesy than I was comfortable with. Um, so that's something I changed pretty quickly. And I think, you know, after iterating on that, like in that direction of moving away from being salesy, I finally found what feels more authentic to me and now I'm comfortable with it. But, um, it was, you know, it was awkward there for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of goes back to your point on uh, being iterative and kind of learning because your audience, you know, from business to business, from industry to industry is different and they respond to different things and they have different tolerances and different, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get really in the weeds, like different algorithms that are feeding them content. So they're used to different things as they're exploring online. Yeah. Did you, did you, was it strictly iteration that helped you kind of figure out who your audience was or how did you, how did you ultimately gain that understanding of, of who you needed to be or is, was it just flat out authenticity that was the answer? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, the cons- I think that the consultancy firm that I have chosen to work with has been huge in that process because they, the way they go about ads is they don't just go for cold leads. You know, they go for, they do something that's like mid funnel development where they, we start by just running ads to like blog posts and some newspaper articles that we are magazines we've been featured in that are just like, Hey, cool. Like just putting it across your desk and building our audience that way before, you know, similar to like the email marketing thing, like build your audience through free content and then sell to them. It's similar in our ad strategy where we're building our mid funnel audience before we ever sell to them. And so by the time we actually, they actually see ads for joining the course or getting in on the webinar, they're like pretty warm or warmer than they would be if it was just somebody like, and there's name recognition and other things that they've already kind of got with our brand. So that's been a really huge, I think that was a huge shift between working with the first consultant that really, you know, their strategy was more like, we're going to go after as many like cold leads as possible. And so it was a more expensive to kind of gain those leads and they weren't well qualified by the time they got into the webinar in terms of what they were actually looking for, which probably, it probably works with them within a different industry or a different, you know, product potentially, but just didn't really work for us. So yeah, I would say our consultant that we work with has been really huge in helping us identify the audience that makes sense for us. And we're just seeing like the more we hone that and hone our messaging, the more our like conversion rate go up and our ad spend goes down. So that's good. Yes. Yes. So just putting yourself back in day one, anything that you would tell yourself to do differently, anything that you would tell someone else who is on day one, or maybe they are on day zero, where would you have them start? I think I would say be patient and don't think it's going to be a quick fix. It's like developing an online product and online course is really a long game, I think. And it's, uh, it's awesome. You know, it's really incredible. It's an incredible tool for being able to build a community of people that are interested in what you're doing around the world. Um, one that you wouldn't have just from like a, you know, where you're based physically. So yeah, I just feel really excited about like what, it, where it could go now that we've got this community of folks and, you know, audience that have been kind of familiar with our work and get a ton of emails, you know, every day somebody has watched the webinar or they, you know, saw something about us on Facebook or whatever. And they email, and they're just like, I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing and I want to be a part of it. And I think that that's awesome. And that's something that could only happen two years after starting the process, you know, or maybe it happens sooner for people. But for me, it happened, you know, it took a couple of years before it was really like out there in the world in a way that felt good for me. Yeah. But this idea of like, oh, you're going to do a course and then it's going to be on Evergreen and it's just going to be making money in the background. And you don't have to do anything. It's like maybe eventually, but like it takes a lot of work. And I think being really patient with yourself and being really realistic in your in your goals and not feeling like a failure when you don't hit your goal because it's going to happen. It's like part of trial and error and it's part of testing the waters. So when you don't hit your goal, just like be willing to get up and brush off and try again. Yes. If you're looking for easy work or quick fixes, this is not the place to come. Not in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that that segues really well into the next 
phase of, of the show. And that's really what has changed for you as a result of taking this leap, taking some of your business online and, you know, exploring a field that maybe probably few people in your industry ever do, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, it has increased our like brand awareness and visibility in a way that I think is awesome. It has helped us, even people that don't take the course, like we have a lot of clients in Atlanta, even that didn't know about us. They found out about us because they took our webinar. Some of them signed up for the course and then still decided they wanted to work with us, you know? So I think it's creating this, like, I've heard them call like your evangelist in marketing before, like the people that are just like the diehard fans and like very committed to the vision with you. Yeah. So we've, I think that that has really helped like having the online, being in the online world has really helped kind of like boost that in the world for us. (laughs) Does that answer your question? I kind of lost sight of the question there. Yeah, no, I just asked what, what, what had changed for you. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Given the the context behind what you're trying to do, you're trying yeah. to expand this to a new audience. And it's ama- it sounds like it's created like a little bit of a flywheel for your business too, yeah. or your offline business. Yeah. And that's been also, I mean, that was one of the other kind of impetuses, impeti. I don't know either. <laughs> anyway, that was another one of the like driving factors in moving to an online course is that, you know, I think I had an unrealistic expectation that like I would build it and then all of a sudden it would just be make a millions there in the background I wouldn't be doing anything <laughs> um which is not the case but it is it is running you know after putting in a lot of hard work and and trial and error it is running in the background of the company and doesn't take nearly as much of my like time or energy as the physical parts of my work do physical meaning like the place based Atlanta like design build service sure. part of the work and does create little a little bit of like a pressure relief valve on like cash flow for our company. Um, you know, especially in an industry that is very impacted by weather, by economic influences, by drought, like there's so many things that by supply chain issues, like there's so many things that can really impact cash flow in the landscaping and the building industries that it's really nice to know that they're that put the work in to do have something in the background that's sort of like kind of equalizing that a little bit for us. Oh. Love that. Well, tell us what's coming next uh, for you. Any new courses, new launches, anything in the pipeline we should be aware of? I'm not sure. We have a couple of ideas for some new courses um, and maybe bringing our group coaching that we do as an offering for students within the larger course within the Regenerative Backyard Blueprint. That's our main course that we have. Maybe expanding our group coaching that's a supplement to that to a larger audience um, or refining that a little bit. That's been one question we've had. And then I've also thought about more of like a database kind of subscription type of model as another course that's just like going deep with the plants that we work with. And, you know, there's just like a whole world in there. You know, it's it's <laughs> awesome that that's another thing. I'm just shameless plug for Kajabi here. That's another thing that I've loved about Kajabi is you can do, I can do all of those things there. I can do podcasts if we wanted to, you know, group coaching or, you know, individual coaching, mini courses, full courses, the whole the whole gamut have a community forum that's not on Facebook because a lot of you know we have a lot of people in class that are not on Facebook so they want to do a Facebook group so I love that that's in there as well yeah sounds like a lot of potential a lot of excitement coming down the road what's the best way for anyone interested to find you 
Um, we're on Instagram. It's at shades of green permaculture with underscores between the word. Find us on Facebook. We're not super active on Facebook. And then on our website, shades of green permaculture.com. If you want to join our newsletter or hear about what's coming down the line or see some of the projects that we've done, or we have a, a bi-weekly blog that I post with all kinds of different techniques and tools and insights around permaculture and how that applies to people in their yard. So yeah, we can dive in. Love it. Well, check that out for sure. Uh, Brandy, thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your journey and your knowledge with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for asking such great questions. It's been a good time to reflect. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.